0: All right, good morning, everyone. Welcome. Go ahead and have a seat if you're here in the room. If you are online, fill up that cup of coffee, get that muffin. I am jealous. I wanna be on my couch right now watching with you. Um, but this is as comfortable as it gets. So look at this. I got a big announcement family camp. That's right. You know, that's how you know praying works. Is when when the governor says or the states go, "Hey, you can." finally reserved six months in advance and we go, we're getting family camp on the calendar. So um, if you haven't been here before, you don't know uh, what family camp is. This is one of our biggest events we do during the summer. We go and rent out an entire loop at Fort Stevens State Park and we already have 75 sites reserved. We'll open those registrations in February. That date will be to come. And it's just a moment for us as the body, as church. If you're new, it's a great way to just meet people. Um, Man, we know that the weekend is, there's only so much that can happen within the time we have here. Um, but really, when you get to spend two, three days together, um, we have a service down there. We do a couple of sm- uh, small fun things. And um, We did a great job this last year trying to keep it as uh, COVID safe as we can. And outdoors usually makes everyone feel a little bit more comfortable with that. So I uh, really encourage you to just mark your calendars. That's all it's up there for, July 15th through the 18th at Fort Stevens State Park. Like I said, the, we'll, we'll get those registrations going out and you'll know the date. There'll be an email um, coming out and we will do that. So. I don't think I said it, but my name is Taylor. I'm one of the pastors here at Sunrise, and I'm so glad we get to speak and share this series with you, kind of leading us through this series of Believe and where we're going. I talked two weeks ago about what it really means to believe. What does it mean to put your trust and your hope and surrender to Jesus? Last week, Pastor James talked about how Jesus was the full embodiment of truth and grace— and how do we live in such a balance of both of those? Because if we live in too much grace or we live in too much truth, um, we, can, we can see things get out of balance really fast. And so today, though, we're going to enter into John the Baptist. And I just want to do a little bit of clarification for you. Maybe you're new. Maybe church isn't um, familiar to you. Um, we are going through the Gospel of John and that is different from John the Baptist, who we're speaking about today. We are reading John, Gospel of John the writer, a disciple of Jesus. We're reading his account of Jesus' story. That's what we're going through. But then we have John the Baptist today, and we're going to talk about him and the role that he plays in, the, in Scripture and why John the Gospel writer thought it was so important to put him in the story. So, I just want to pray for a moment this morning, get us started. Um, Lord, Man, we just come before you, surrendering, trusting, asking you just to meet us where we're at. You know, Lord, it's a, it's a Sunday. It's a Sunday, and you want to meet us here. You want to show yourself, you want to reveal yourself today. You want us to see you, and so whether we don't know you, whether we got questions about you, whether we're uh, wrestling with some decision in life or things are taking up all kinds of space in our brain and, and we can't sleep at night, Father, I just pray you would meet us here and you would speak to that because you are the God of peace. I pray you would just reveal yourself in that area and that today we would come away with a greater understanding of you, a greater acknowledgement of you, and be someone who truly points to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so, uh, two weeks ago I spoke, I talked about that my wife and I are in the process of moving. Um, we are on the other, well, as much as I can say the other side of it. Um, we, we, we sold our former house, because that's what a former house is, you sell it. And then uh, we moved into our new house this past week. And it has been a challenging process. You think moving's tough, but then you do it and it's even tougher. Um, I'm like, we're not moving again. We're done. This is it. We picked the forever house. I don't care how many kids we have. We'll fit them all in here. No, um, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just, uh, no, but what are the, one of the most difficult parts in the whole moving process was the fact that we closed on our house, had to be out by uh, January 15th, it was a Friday last week, and we didn't get the keys to our new house until this past week on Wednesday the 20th, and so we had to spend five days, six nights, um, basically without a home, and... What we did is we went and did the most logical thing and moved in with my parents. It was quite the convincing I had to do with my wife. Um, No, I'm just kidding. My parents are great. My wife loves them. It's a great relationship. So I want to make sure that's true. But some of you are like, are you sure? Is that a good decision? Um, No, it was great because my parents remodeled their house a couple years ago and created their master suite on the first floor, their new one. And so we stayed in the old one up on the second floor, had our own space, our bathroom, a closet where the baby would sleep. It was so nice. I woke up the first morning, and my mom's making French toast for us. I'm like, oh, take me back. Oh, And then a few hours later, she leaves to go shopping. And she's like, do you guys need anything from the store? I'm like, oh, my goodness. This is so good. No wonder my youngest brother won't move out. No, no I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He only comes home on the weekends here and there. He really doesn't live well. Yeah. Um, so... And then we had dinner too. I mean, that was the top it off and childcare, all these things. 6 nights. It was like vacation. We were joking around about like maybe maybe we shouldn't buy this next house. <laughs> maybe we should just maybe we should just stay where we're at. You know, it's it's nice. It's it's, it's a very comfortable living situation. I'm sure my parents would be Excited <laughs> No uh, But we jo- I joked around about it And as we joke around about it It's funny and everything But it also There was kind of this part of it That reminded me of when you go on vacation You know how you just can't wait to get home You know it's like that moment Of just walking through the door You're like you were gone in Hawaii Or you were gone somewhere In the snowy mountains Or some of this thing And it's like man it's so beautiful It's so nice But then the moment you walk through the door You're like Ah oh we have to unpack the car, right? And you just sit there and you drop your things. You let the kids go in the house. They know what to do. They know the system. They've got all this. You can turn on Netflix. It's great. It's like, man, that's why some people come home a day early on vacation. I'm starting to understand that process now. Um, didn't understand it before. And, uh, but that's that kind of is how this experience was because the truth was we were without a home for a couple of days there. And that can kind of almost feel a little bit on your soul, a little bit of going like, we don't have a place to call home, a place where we can just drop everything and do that. We, we left that place behind and we're going to a new place. And so that got me kind of thinking about us as followers of Jesus and how we live in a place that is not our home and how we live in this place. We don't, this is not a place where we kick off our shoes. This is not a place where we all of a sudden go, hey, I'm home. I can be myself. I'm free here. This is, this is it. We're actually have these earnings and these longings to be in heaven in relationship with the Father and in intimacy with him. But oftentimes the Christian experience comes down to, well I 'm here, I 'm going to surrender my life, I 'm going to say a prayer, and then I'm going to wait till heaven gets here. And I would say, if that is where we 've come to, if that's where we are in understanding of Jesus, we don 't even know Jesus. We don't even understand the first thing about Jesus, and that's what we 're going to do today is we 're just going to go back to that fundamental question of who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And it sounds so elementary, I know, but I think there's a lot more to it because to answer the question of who is Jesus, you actually have to answer the question of who are you? Because you're God's creation. You were made in his image. And to know your creator, you have to know yourself. And to know yourself, you have to know the creator. It's both and. And so what we're gonna look at today is a lot of identity, a lot of security and understanding how we were made, that God chose us and picked us and formed us And made us with all our weaknesses and uniqueness and the things that we want to hide and the things we're not proud of and the things we think make us look silly. Like God made us this way because he said the world is only perfect if it has you in it. And so we look at that today in Scripture as we see this in the story of John the Baptist because he displays it so well for us. So I want to go to the opening verses here. It says, this was John's testimony. When the Jewish leaders sent priest and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, who are you? He came right out and said, I am not the Messiah. Well, then who are you? They asked. Are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you the prophet we are expecting? No. I love this because what you need to understand, though, is the, uh, the context behind this before we get in is what's going on is John the Baptist is baptizing Jewish people, which to us goes, maybe we don't quite understand that. But in then it would be a big deal because you would only be baptized if you were converting into Judaism. That's what you'd be doing. But here we have John the Baptist who's, who is baptizing Jewish people. They're already Jewish. They're already believing that. And so all of a sudden, this has the minds and the interest of the religious leaders, the Levites and the Pharisees and the priests. And they show up on the scene and they're going, hey, what's going on here? What are you, what are you doing here? Who do you think you are? And what John Im- immediately does is he knows what they're thinking. And he says, first off, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Jesus Christ. That's not who I am. I'm not I'm not Elijah. Which was referring to the old prophet Malachi. And there's Malachi said, hey, Elijah will come and prepare the way for the Messiah. He's like, I'm not Elijah. I'll co- I come in the spirit of Elijah. That's what we learn and to realize that he comes in the spirit of Elijah. But he's not Elijah. And then he's like, are you, are you the great prophet? Which was speaking back to Moses. And he's like, no, I'm not the prophet either. So then who are you? And we start off right, this, right at the beginning. And I go, here's this moment to like answer the question, who are you? And the first thing he does is tell us who he's not. Which made me think of the question like this morning that I think that is so important for us to answer is, do you know who you're not? Like, do you know who you're not? Because I think a lot of expectations, a lot of things have been placed on all of us to live up to some kind of reputation, some kind of example, some kind of thing, and We try to live up to that only to feel like we fail it time and time again. Some of us are trying to be the perfect parent. Some of you are trying to be the perfect friend. Some of you are trying to be the perfect sibling, trying to be the perfect kid. You're trying to be all these things, and the truth is it's impossible to be perfect. Some of you are trying to be enough in a world that says you're not enough. Some of you are, man, you are clinging and you are climbing and you are trying to be something that the expectation of others, you're trying to meet them. And I would just say that's, that's not who you are. And very often in life, we live, we come in to church, we come into this place. I know there's a big ordeal about mask and, and them or not them. And I'd say many times within, um, within our existence on this earth, we've all been wearing masks to some degree. We've all been trying to be someone we're not. We're all trying to live up to what we think people will like or people will accept or think people will love us if we're more this way. And that's what we try to do. And I just feel John saying this, this is who I'm not. This is who I'm not. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah. I'm not the prophet. And so I just want to leave you right here with this question off the get-go. Do you know who you're not? Because when you know who you're not, then you can actually figure out who you are. And this is what we see from John in this next passage of scriptures. We see him go right after this. He goes, then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I'm a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord, it's coming. So after they get past all their preconceived notions and ideas of who they think, John is, they're actually willing to listen. And then after John tells them who he's not, he tells them who he is. And he says, let me me reference the prophet Isaiah for you, right? I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord is coming. And what he is speaking to in this moment, John is, or the prophet Isaiah in this sense is speaking to is back in the day, what would happen is they would clear the wasteland out for when an ancient Eastern king would arrive. And so what John's saying is, hey, the wasteland is the people's hearts right now and I am clearing the way. I'm preparing their hearts for the message that Jesus Christ is going to bring for the ministry of the Messiah. That's what I'm doing. That's my role. I am simply a voice. I am simply a preparer. I'm simply point people to Jesus. Now let me go back and just ask you this question because this is something that happens a lot in church is we go we get in situations and moments of like where we try to be Jesus. And and just hear me out for this. We, we get asked the question or we get put in a tough situation and we go, WWJD? We go, what would Jesus do? Right? And, and it's, 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 it's a good question to ask. It really is. But I want to just take the pressure off this morning for a moment and go, there was only one Jesus and you ain't him. You ain't him. Like seriously. Like some of you, some of you need to let that sink in for a moment. You are not Jesus. And and that can mean multiple things. You are not here to judge. You are not here to condemn. You are not here to be perfect. As much as you can try to be, we are not that. Yes, the spirit lives inside of us. We are conformed into the image of Christ. Yes, that is so true. But we are not trying to be perfect. We need a savior. And what we see John doing here is going, I'm just a voice. I'm just a preparer. I'm just someone who points. the Savior. I can't save you. I can't save you, but he can. Jesus can. John has the moment to take the spotlight in this entire story, and all he does is go, no, 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 no. It's not about me. And so as we see this unfold even more, I love this, because these religious leaders, are, they're great. Then the Pharisees who had been sent asked him, if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? John told them, I baptize with water, but right here in this crowd is someone you do not recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandal. So here we go. The religious leaders like, are finally getting to the point of why they showed up, right? He's baptizing Jewish people. Why? And the truth is, is that they are being baptized as a form of repentance. As a symbolism of saying, hey, there's, sin has created a wedge between me and God. That's why they're getting baptized. And so they come after John's actions. And they're like, what, what, what are you doing? And John goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a second. Let me point to what I can only do. I can only baptize with water. I can, I'm not even worthy. There's someone coming. I'm not even worthy to untie the straps of his sandals. It's like this is kind of interesting that this is where john goes when they're going after why are you doing this he goes actually i'm only doing this with water but someone's going to come in jesus he's going to baptize with the spirit because when when jesus ascends to heaven and we believe the spirit comes and lives inside of us right 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 that the spirit is alive inside of us today man so powerful And so we see this moment and I love John because what he does and what he does in this moment, which I think is so important for all of us to remember, it's like, oh, well, how do we point to Jesus? How do we how do we put some handles on that? John goes, I'm gonna show you my limitations. I can only baptize with water. And the person who is coming, Jesus, the Messiah, yeah, I'm not even worthy to be his slave. He's like going after his weaknesses. He's going after the things that it's like we try to hide here in this world. John's like, I'm going to point them out. I'm going to to say everything I can about them because that's how I exalt Christ in my life. Let me talk about my weaknesses. Let me share them with you. And we live in this culture and world that says, no, 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 you don't tell that part of your story. That's too much. No, you don't go there. Don't, don't bring that up. Only focus on your strengths. It's not about your weaknesses. It's about your strengths. You want to hone in on those. You want to do things. that Follow your gifting. Stay here. And when things about your weakness come up, just cover it up. Don't let people see that. Don't show them that. Don't show them you have weakness. Because they'll take advantage of it. And that's the message for our world. And, and that is the opposite of Scripture. That is the opposite of finding our true identity in Christ. See, because this is, I love this example of the Apostle Paul and what, and what God says to him and what Jesus says to him. It says three different times, Apostle Paul says, I beg the Lord to take away. We're talking about a weakness here. We're talking about this thorn in the flesh, this weakness. And, and he says, each time he said to me, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Man, he's going you ever take, like, you ever go to God and go, God, why am I going through this? Why is this, why is this what I got to live with? Like, couldn't you made me a little bit different or, or better in this area? Or, you know, couldn't things gone a different way for me? Like, I think we've all had a prayer like that or a moment where we've talked to God and just got like, please, God, like. And God comes in in those moments and goes, my grace is all you need. That's all you need. My power works best in weakness. That's not the message we like to hear. That's not the message of culture. That's not the message of society today. See, someone asked me yesterday about a season in my life that was a tough, just a tough and difficult season for me. And they're like, how are you doing with that? How are you you handling that? And I I was like, you know, I said, I don't know how best to describe it, but I missed that season. As difficult as it was, as challenging as it was, I was so weak. I was so fragile. I'd break in a moment. Like I was at the end of myself and I needed God to show up. And we've all had those moments where it's like, I, I don't know which way to go. I don't know where to stand. I don't... I have nothing left. I've come to the end of myself because everything I've done has got me to where I'm at. And obviously where I'm at, I have nothing. And it's like, that is the most beautiful place to be. Because when you get to the end of what you're able to do, you can finally see what God can do. Because you stand in the way of what God wants to do a lot of the time, your own abilities, your own independency, your own self-sufficiency, all those things stand in the way of seeing God work and you miss out on it. And you miss seeing him in the everyday details because you can provide, because you are sufficient. And so when we come to those moments where our weaknesses put a line and a limitation for us, is actually the moment we see the power of Christ moving in. And that's a moment where we actually get to know God. And so to to go back to this, it's like actually our weaknesses... Our things that we want to hide, are things we want to shove down and not let anyone see are the very things that connect us to our creator. They're the very things that help us understand our identity is in Christ. That it's actually in our weakness that his strength moves, that we see him move, that we see God before us. It's like, man, that's, that's exciting. And I go, that's why I missed that season. Because I just want to see God move. Like, call me crazy. I I like being strong. I know that, but man, I I love more watching God move when I feel like I can. not Like that's what draws me in. That's what brings me back to just wanting to follow Jesus. That's what I want. That's what I want for us. And so opposite of culture says, Paul goes, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses. I'm going to boast about them. And then we see John the Baptist going, let me boast about my weaknesses. You're going to ask me about my actions, but I'm going to boast about my weaknesses. I can only baptize with water. And actually the person who's coming, I'm not even worthy to untie his strap of his sandal. I'm I'm not. Let me boast about that. Let me tell you all about that because it's not about me. He has a moment to have the spotlight. He has a moment to take the fame for this ministry and this movement that he has. And he goes, it's not about me. He has so much security. He has so much understanding in who he's not that he can point them to the person who can save them, and it's not him. It's like, man, that's, that's beautiful. That'll set you free. And then I love this. I want to fast forward a little bit to the end here because this is where it gets a little, this is where it gets so good, and this is where we can take it home. As it says, the following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples as Jesus walked by. John looked at him and declared, look, there's the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. They followed Jesus. So here's this moment. I skipped ahead a little bit, but John, is, John the Baptist is walking. His two disciples who have been learning from him, watching him baptized, been a part of his ministry and his process. They encounter Jesus. He's walking by, and all John does is point. There's the Lamb of God which that would have resonated with them in so many different ways that Jesus would be the sacrificial lamb back to the original Passover of putting the lamb's blood on their doorpost. Like there's so much imagery here of if we look back at scripture, but more importantly than I want you to see is that John has a following and he's going, don't follow me, follow him. Follow him. I can only baptize with water. I can, I can. I'm not even worthy to untie a strap. Follow him, which kind of really makes me go to this point of like, where are you pointing in your life? Like, what are you pointing to? And I, and I don't say this in condemnation or judgment. That's not where I'm going with this. Because I preach these messages to me first before I ever come in here and preach them to you. But where are we pointing? Because it feels like we've been in a season and a moment where we've lost sight of Jesus. That we stopped seeing him. That we stop seeing the wonderful, magnificent God for who he is. We lost sight of pointing to Jesus because we lost sight of ourselves. And there's a world watching right now. And they're going, what are you going to do? What, do you, what really matters at the end of the day? And we go, and we point to things. And here's how I know what I'm pointing to, and maybe how you can ask yourself how you're pointing to. When you're with your friends, what do you talk about? When you're with your family, where do your conversations go? When you're posting on social media, what are you posting about? When you're up in the middle of the night and you can't sleep, Because stuff about your job or people has got you stressed and worked up, right? When you're just, when you're sitting there or standing there and you, and it's like you're talking to someone, but you're not really there in presence because your mind is somewhere else. What's that thing you're thinking about? Because I would say whatever you answer to those questions, whatever you answer to that is where you point That's where you point. And I'm not saying it's easy. That's the last thing I'm saying up here. Man, this is hard. It's hard, but where are you pointing? Because our jobs as followers of Jesus, as Christians, is not to sit here and go, okay, I'm saved. Now let me sit back and watch the world fall apart and heaven will come one day. That's not our job. Our job is also not to sit there and, and judge and condem- condemn and pick people apart. We have one job point to Jesus. That's it. That's all we're supposed to do. We don't save people. We don't convince people we're right. We don't know everything. We're imperfect. We're supposed to point to the one who does. That's our job. All we've got to do is point. So hear me out this morning. It's, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. And it's so simple. It's so elementary. But the truth is, is all we are supposed to do is follow the example of John the Baptist and point to Jesus. Show humility. Make yourself lower so that Jesus can become more. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're called to do, is the point to Jesus. And you know how you point to Jesus? You know how you like just have moments where you do it? It's like, it's as simple as when the sunrise comes up in the morning and you just see the beauty of it. There's some beautiful sunrises this past week. Sunsets too. Right? Like God is in the details. But sometimes we're so fast moving through life. It's like, oh, cool. The sky's pink. Or we have moments and we're with people and I, I miss them too. And it's like, there's, there's a moment to bring Jesus into the conversation or to, or to say something or do it. And, I, and I'm, I'm holding back because I'm not pointing to Jesus. Jesus is in the every minute details. He's in this life. He lives inside of us. This is something they did not have back then. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us today when you believe. How are you pointing to Jesus in this life? How are you really pointing? Because that is what you were made to do. Let Jesus do the hard work of working in their heart. Let Jesus do the hard work of carrying the burden that you're trying to carry. Sometimes the best way to point to Jesus in your life is to just come to a point of surrender. That's one of the best ways to do it. Is to go, I don't understand. I don't get it. God, but I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm going to give this over to you right now. I'm going to give it to you. And this how I'm going to point to you right now because I have nowhere else to go. And, and Jesus is sitting there going, now I can work. Now I can work. So I just, I just want to ask you and challenge you this morning as the church, we as the church, we as the body, where are we pointing in this season? Because John constantly points to Jesus. There's the Lamb of God. There's the Lamb of God. There he is. It was not about him. He, was in, he had so much security in who, what his role was, what his purpose was, that he was like, it's not about me, it's about Jesus. And I think what's happening some, and around us and what's happening within the church sometimes is we all of a sudden find our security in the wrong things, and therefore we stop pointing to Jesus. So I want to invite the worship team up and I just want to invite us into a moment here to surrender, to point to Jesus, honestly. And for some of you in the room, this is just a, you've never come, you've never had a full belief in who Jesus is. You've never trusted him with your life. You've never surrendered over because too many doubts or too many things. And I I just want to invite you into a moment here. But then, also for us in the room who maybe have been following Jesus for a long time, but maybe our belief has come off course somewhere, I just want to invite us to a deeper conviction to say that Jesus is better than everything else, and remind ourselves of like where am I pointing in this season? So just just pray with me these words. If you don't believe this is for you, online, Lord, I'm a sinner and I'm imperfect. And I believe that Jesus came and lived a sinless life and died for my sins and then raised from the dead. And I want to put my trust in him. I want to surrender. I want to make him the king of my life. And then for those of us who maybe we've been following Jesus and we just need a moment of of just reorientation, going, hey, I, I think I might've lost my way somewhere. Lord, help us. Help us come to this moment of complete convincing that you are real. Like we, we might declare it with our heads, but I would say, Lord, help, help it travel to our heart in places. And when it does, we will start pointing again to you. Some of us have lost our identity. We've lost our ways. And so Lord, we pray that you would help us see you in our weaknesses, that we would see you in our limitations, that we would see you in the mess. Lord, our world's fallen apart. It's no surprise. But don't let us get too attached to it. Don't let us get too invested in what's happening here and that this is for some reason our home. It's not our home, God. Our home is with you. Help us become fully convinced of that, that that is better than anything else. Help us point to you this week, just today, even, God. Help us find a moment where we can just point to you. That's all you're asking. You'll do the heavy lifting. You'll do the work. Our job's the point. You're the savior and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. If uh, it's your first time, whether you're online or you're in person with us and you didn't say that first prayer with us or haven't said that first prayer before and today was your day. We just want to invite you into the family of God. That's just coming to this moment in your heart of saying, hey, I believe and I surrender and I trust. But more than that is what's scary is you can't do it alone. You can't. And so if you're online, Pastor Israel's on there. Reach out to him. Send a message. Send an email to pastors at isunrise.com. Or if you're here in the room, man, there's so many of us here. Talk to your neighbor, whoever you came with today. uh, Or come forward and we'll have some people up here to pray afterwards. And just talk about what's going on because we want you to experience that Jesus is better than anything and be fully convinced of that and that'll change everything. Love you guys.